you. Thank you. Okay. So, if you were here last week, uh, we started a new series. We're talking about the book of Esther and the character from the Bible, the person Esther. Um, if you were at May 2018, this is a story that got uh, brought up in several different messages um, for the, the scripture. And if we have it, we can pull it up. It's in Esther 4.14. Um, it says, for if you remain completely silent this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish, rip. Yet, who knows whether you have come to the king for such a time as this, or other translations say you were made for such a time as this. So it's something that was brought up and mentioned a lot at Made 2018, and, um, you know, this scripture is really great and it's really helpful, but it becomes even more meaningful when given the context of the entire book of Esther and the entire story of Esther. And um, so what I want to do tonight is I want to kind of look at the story of Esther as a whole. And I'm going to pull some really uh, important lessons that we can learn from the book of Esther because um, the books of the Old Testament um, we can use to translate into our modern day lives and into our lives, even though we don't live way back in that time, there's not the same customs, it's not the same, you know, uh, religion, you know, Jesus has come and died on the cross and we're born again and we live in him now, but there are still parallels that we can draw between our life and the lives of these people that we see uh, in the Old Testament. So what I want to start out with, if you don't know the full story of Esther, or if maybe you kind of know it, but you don't know the whole thing, it's a wild story, it's super crazy, it's really short, it's a short book, you should read the whole thing. Um, it's crazy. But what I want to do is I want to kind of give like a quick, a quick recap of the book of Esther. And I need you guys to stick with me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to blaze through it so I don't take up too much time. It's a crazy book. A lot of stuff happens. Um, but basically the reason that this book was written is to document the historical um, reason for a Jewish festival, a festival called Purim that uh, they celebrate even now to this day. Um, and so it's a festival that uh, was prominent in the Jewish culture, and this book was written to give the backstory why they celebrate that. So um, it starts out, uh, there's this king named King Xerxes, and um, he's basically, he's in like the Persian Empire, he's a king, he's like got this huge empire, and he's having a party, he's throwing down with his boys, and um, he's having, is at the end of like this this festival, and he was having a party, and his wife was having a party for all the ladies. So it's like the king was partying with the dudes, the wife was partying with the ladies. And so then the king, as the party goes on, at one point is like, hey, bring my wife to me and let me show off how hot she is to all my bros. Because he's like, bro, my wife is super hot. And they're like, what? For real? So he's like, bring her in here and let them all see. He was not a great king. He was not also the brightest king. Um, it's fairly uh, documented. But um, essentially... <laughs> The wife is like, no, I'm not going to come. And so that makes him mad because now he's embarrassed. He's with all his boys. He's telling her about his hot wife, and then she won't come. So he's embarrassed, right? So what he does is he banishes her. He's like, I'm never going to see her again. She's not my wife. She's not the queen. She's out. Dunzo, right? Pretty harsh. Um, so he basically, uh, after that, he's like, okay, well, now i got to find a new queen. And his, like, cronies are like, oh, dude, you should have a, you know, um, you should get all the you know hot ladies of the the single ladies, all the hot single ladies together, and then pick one to be your new wife. Um, once again, not the best king, uh, not a super good role model, but like super interesting episode of like the Bachelor or the Bachelorette. 
which, um, yeah. So this is where we uh, basically, uh, Esther comes into the story, and uh, there's um, a Jewish guy named Mordecai uh, who is basically works for the king, and he's raised his cousin, um, Esther. And she is an orphan. Um, she's been an orphan uh, since she was young, and she was raised by her cousin Mordecai, and she's one of the ladies that are selected to be a part of this contest to be the next queen. Super good. Y'all following? Are we keeping up? Okay, great. So from there, what happens is uh, basically the king ends up really liking Esther. He's her, or she is his favorite. He falls in love with her. He's like, this is my queenie poo. Wipes her up. <laughs> she becomes a new queen. Um, their, you know, relationship goals, whatever, um, except not actually, because like I said, he's a terrible king and a terrible boyfriend and a terrible husband. He's a terrible guy. Um, so Esther becomes the queen of this country that she is not, it's not even her country. She's not even, um, you know, a part of the country that she's in. She's a, she's, um, you know, a Jewish girl. She's in this foreign country, but she ends up becoming, uh, the queen of this country. And she doesn't reveal that she's Jewish. Um, she keeps that a secret. And um, as she is married to the king, the king has an advisor named Haman. And Haman's the bad guy. And uh, Haman's the villain of this story. And he basically, he's mad because Mordecai, he's like one of the top guys in the, in the king's palace. Well, Mordecai won't bow down to him like everybody else bows down to him. So he basically is walking around, and he's like, hey, when I come by, everybody's, you know, you got to bow down to me. I'm like this big guy with the king. And Mordecai's like, no, um, I only bow down to God. So Mordecai, no, Haman's, Haman's ticked, and he's like, all right, well, um, I'm going to go to the king. And he's like, hey, uh, I think we should kill all the Jewish people. And the king is just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, Haman's like, so basically I'll send out this, like, uh, law, and on a certain day, uh, we will uh, put front up this money for people who will basically kill all of the Jewish people living in the country. And the king was like, okay. Uh, like I said, not the brightest king. He kind of just did whatever. Uh, so Haman writes this law, and he takes the king's ring, and he stamps the law, and that means that it's a law. It can't be changed. And he sends it out to the entire empire. He's like, on XYZ day of the year, kill all the Jewish people. So... Not a great time. Pretty stressful. Esther's the queen. She's Jewish. Nobody knows she's Jewish. Her cousin who raised her, Mordecai, also Jewish. And, she, you know, she finds out about this plan. She's like, I don't know what to do. I can't really say anything. Um, the king has this rule that if anybody goes and talks to him that he didn't ask to talk to him, they're immediately put to death, um, which is super harsh as well. And uh, Mordecai's like, no, but you got to do something. Like, you're the queen. You're the only person that's in a place to change what has happened. And so eventually Esther is like, okay, you know, and that's, you know, where Mordecai tells her, like, you were made for a time as this. You were put in the place you are for this exact moment. Why else would you, a foreigner who's not even part of this country, be the queen and have an influence over the king? Um, so Esther gets all dressed up in her, her queen outfit and busts into the throne room and is like, king. And he's like, uh, if you've seen the VeggieTale, everybody's like, oh, my God, he's going to kill her. But then he says, my little Queenie Poo can visit me whenever she wants. Um, <laughs> uh, the king is also a cucumber in the VeggieTale. It's uh, really good. If you haven't watched it, you should. 
But basically, she busts in. Uh, it says she came in and he extended his scepter to her. And what that means, that scepter was um, essentially a kingly pardon, a royal pardon. It means um, even though you come in here and you're not allowed to, and the punishment for that is that I kill you, um, I'm going to let it slide. I'm going to forgive that. I'm going to pardon that. So then um, <laughs> she's like, uh, hey, uh, I have this thing to ask you. And he's like, what? And she's like, mm, do you want to come to dinner? And he was like, okay, that's, she was like, you and Haman, come to dinner. So then they come to dinner, and he's like, okay, what is it you want to ask me? And she's like, <laughs> uh, do you want to come to dinner tomorrow? You know, she's nervous. It's understandable. She didn't want to just blurt it out. So she asked him to come to dinner twice. And then finally, the second dinner, she's like, hey, uh, Haman has basically devised this plot to kill all the Jewish people, and I'm a Jewish person, and so he's going to include killing me. And the king gets really mad. Um, kills Haman, uh, kills all of Haman's family, and um, basically <laughs> fixes the problem of uh, the Jewish people being wiped out of the country. Okay, are we all caught up on the story of Esther? It's a roller coaster. It's a wild ride. Um, you should read it. There are even more awesome details <laughs> in the actual Bible um, that I didn't touch on, and you're going to want to know them. So read it on your own time. It's short. It's like 10 chapters. But the reason that I went through this entire story is that all of the events of the book of Esther are important. And they're all pieces of a puzzle that um, when they fit together, it's a larger story that still applies to us today. Um, there are parallels, like I said, excuse me, between the story of Esther and living as Christians in today's world. So um, I think that a lot of times people can relate to the story of Esther and a lot of times you hear the story of Esther being taught to girls, but it's not just girls that can relate to Esther because they're like, she became the queen. But uh, you guys, you know, it relates to men as well. It relates to any believer. Um, in the story of Esther, you know, in our lives, we're all put in situations where we have the chance to alter a situation or to change something. Um, we all have those opportunities presented to us, and it's up to us to... Um, say yes, just like Esther said yes, and changed her situations. So she felt, you know, Esther, there are a lot of reasons for her to feel like she's not in a position to do anything big. She was an orphan. Uh, her family were captives. She didn't belong in that country. The Jewish people had their own country. She hadn't returned to it yet. So she wasn't a part of that culture, that nation. And I feel like a lot of times um, that's very relatable because we can feel like we're in a place where we don't necessarily belong with everybody who's around us or like we're in a place where we're not supposed to be. And just because we're in a place that maybe we don't feel like we 100% belong or we feel like this is the place that we're supposed to be, it doesn't mean that there isn't a reason for us being in, the, in that place. And that doesn't mean God doesn't want to use us while we are in that place. God had her there for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. And where you're at right now, God has you there for a specific reason and for a specific purpose, just like he did Esther. And even if it doesn't make sense or you don't feel like it's where you're supposed to be, it's important that we're open to listen to God and to obey him while we're in those situations. Um, you know, if we look at Esther, there were a lot of people that were more worthy to become the queen of that nation. Um, people who had been born into that country, people who were wealthy, people who were known for being very beautiful or who had the right families or the right status. Um, 
but it's Esther who became queen against all of those odds. And we see all throughout the Bible that it's often the most unexpected person or what you would usually think of as the lowest person that God decides to use and do the biggest things. Um, he could have easily used, you know, a high-ranking person, somebody who was already in the palace close to the king, but he chose to use an orphan and an outcast and an outsider to change this entire nation and save an entire people. And so, um, you know, once again, a, a parallel that we can draw in our lives today, a lot of times you feel like you're not in a place to fix any of the situations that are going on, you know, um, I know whether it's school, whether it's politically, whether it's just with friends, whether it's family issues, a lot of times it's easy to feel like, what can I do to change this? Because a lot of times situations feel like they're out of your control. And you're like, who am, you know, what am I going to be able to do? I don't have any big uh, position of influence. I don't have any big voice into this situation. But oftentimes that's who God is looking at to use because then no person can take the glory and say, I did this because of my position. It's God used somebody who, without God, could not have done something big and something great. And so even though Esther was not in a position to do something big, she did. She changed an entire nation and saved an entire nation. And when you're walking with God as Esther was following God's plan, that's when you get put in places that you didn't earn or you didn't deserve. In the same way that Esther was elevated to a position of a queen when she hadn't done anything to earn or deserve that, following God's plan for your life will elevate you into positions that you didn't earn or you're not qualified for or you don't deserve, whether it's at school, whether it's at your job maybe, whether it's just socially. You will be put in a position to have influence if you will follow God's plan and use that influence for him. And so um, an interesting fact that I wanted to point out about um, Esther. Oh, what is it? You'll find out when I'm done taking a drink. <clears throat> um, so an interesting fact about the book of Esther is that God's name is not mentioned. God is not brought up in the book of Esther at all. If you read through it, it, there's no talk of God. Um, it's it's Esther. It's a story. It's the story of Esther, and it's her part in God's plan. And so when we look at that, um, you know, we're seeing the things that Esther has to do on her side to fulfill and to walk in the plan that God had for her. And there's a couple of points that I want to make um, about things that Esther had to do specifically in order to follow the plan that God had for her. And the first one, if we want to look at Esther 2, uh, verse 12, uh, it says, Each young woman's turn came to go into King, um, <laughs> a.k.a. Xerxes. Also, he had, like, several different names. Um, Xerxes is one of them. The new King James name is Xerxes. <laughs> So after she had completed 12 months of preparation according to the regulations for the women, for thus were the days of their preparations apportioned, six months with oil of myrrh, six months with perfumes, and preparations for beautifying women. And the beautiful lady said amen. Okay, great. So <laughs> the first point I want to talk about, and this is something that Morgan talked about last week, but Esther had to be patient. Esther had to wait for the right timing 
to do what she was called to do. She spent her entire young life just growing up, a Jewish girl, um, being raised by her cousin. Nothing crazy happening that we know of. Uh, probably just your average teenage Jewish girl in the Persian Empire, <laughs> you know, doing whatever they do. Uh, but she waited, she, you know, she was brought all the way up until this time, and then she's, you know, she has this opportunity to be the next queen, and she's going to be in this um, pageant or whatever, this contest. And from then on, it's an entire another year before she even gets to see the queen, so it would have been very easy for her to become impatient and be like, mm, come on, it's been <laughs> six months, how much myrrh can I be soaked in? Uh, <laughs> but... Timing is such an important part of this story. Um, God's timing is such an important part of this story. We see that if any of these events would have happened at the wrong time, none of this would have worked. And it's possible that the Jewish people in the Persian Empire could have been wiped out. Um, so, you know, it's important that we are open and we are, um, we are careful to follow God's timing, um, you know, even the right move done at the wrong time is the wrong move. So even if you have kind of a vision of the future and a, um, a glimpse of what God has for you, it's important to take it step by step. Like Morgan said, he often will not give you the whole plan, but he'll give you the next step and the next step and the step after that. And as you complete those steps, he gives you the next one. So instead of trying, you know, to rush out and jump out ahead of time, and even when Esther went to the king, it had been an entire month before, you know, since the king had called for her. You know, and it, the timing of everything had to line up perfectly, and it could have seemed like coincidence, but it was God's timing. It was God's plan. Shout out to God's plan. Um, so Esther had to be patient. The second thing Esther had to be, we're going to look at Esther 4, verse 10. Okay, it's 10 and 11. I forgot to tell you that. That's my bad. I have it printed out here, though. Okay, Esther spoke to Hathach and gave him a command for Mordecai. That's verse 10. Uh, verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law, put all of them to death, except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter, he may live. Yet I myself have not been called to go to the king in 30 days. So here, Esther is in a situation where she is, um, you know, Mordecai is saying, you've got to go talk to the king about, your, you know, saving your people. And she's like, yeah, but like the king's one law is don't talk to me or I'll kill you. And so this required an immense amount of boldness on Esther's part to say, you know what, it, um, I might die, but if I don't do this, my people are going to die, and I'm going to die along with them. Um, but the plan of God for her required her to step outside of her comfort zone and do something dangerous and do something that required boldness. And while in today's world it may not be that extreme of a situation, you will have to be bold to follow God's plan for your life. He's not just going to give you easy situations that you can just flow along and like do everything in your comfort zone. No, God's going to call you to grow and to stretch, and that's going to cause you that's that's going to um, call for you stretching out of your comfort zone and doing things that you're not comfortable with or that maybe you'll have to get past um, some fear that the enemy would try to get you to be in fear about. But uh, boldness is something that is required uh, if we're going to follow the plan of God in our lives, just like 
Esther had to be bold, um, but she trusted that God would protect her if she did step out and be bold. And just like he protected Esther, he'll protect us. Number three, we'll look at Esther 2 and verse 20. It said, Esther had not revealed her family and her people, just as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as when she was brought up by him. So what's the third thing Esther had to do? Esther had to be obedient. We see that Esther was obedient not just to God, but to Mordecai, who raised her and who was her father figure, um, you know, her authority in her life. And obedience to authority in your life is what is going to qualify you for the plan of God. Uh, in Esther's case, it saved her life. It saved the life of um, all of her people. And it was her obedience to Mordecai to confront the king. That's what changed history. Uh, it was her obedience to follow that plan. And so when we see Esther did these things, she you know, was patient. patient. She was bold. She was obedient. Um, that's when she approached the king, and that's when, uh, you know, he extended the scepter to her of grace and said, uh, yes, what is it that you want? I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. And then she asked him to dinner twice and then saved uh, her entire people, um, fulfilled the plan that God had for her. So um, one last thing I want to encourage you. I'm going to close here. But um, like I said, God's name uh, doesn't appear in this book. There's no reference made to God in the book of Esther. Um, and something else that we can see from this is that even though God is not um, obviously visible in front of you, it doesn't mean that he's not working behind the scenes. It doesn't mean that he's not in the background orchestrating events to turn out for your good. Um, if, you're, if you just do what you know is right and follow that plan, whether or not you can sense it with your you know, in the physical or maybe things look a certain way in the natural, God is always working for you. God is always working on your behalf, even if uh, you can't see him or you can't feel him or it doesn't look like he is. If we look at the story of Esther, it could just seem like a bunch of coincidences happened. She randomly became queen. There was this, at that time, this plot, and it was her people, and she went in the king, and he was having a good day, so he didn't kill her, and then he said... But none of it is coincidence. It was all orchestrated by God, and it was made possible because ancient, er, because ancient Esther was patient and bold and obedient to the plan that God have for her, uh, has for her life. So I just want to encourage you. God has a plan for your life, even when it doesn't make sense, even when uh, it seems like things are maybe stacked against you because Esther and Mordecai could have, you know, looked at everything and been like, hey, all of these events are stacked against us. Um, but God is working. God has a plan for you. And he is, uh, if you will submit to his plan, then you're going to reap the benefits of that. Um, so thank you guys for coming out.